Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to Dynamite tonight. And uh, yeah, kind of disappointing. Sort of resting on their laurels off the back of Blood and Guts. Sidgwick, <laughs> only three title matches, a number one contenders match. And Cody making an announcement for double or nothing and all the fallout from Blood and Guts. Not much to look forward to tonight. I don't know how they're going to fill the two hours. Can't wait for this. I can't wait for this. This could potentially be an episode of AEW Dynamite between the matches, the stakes, the permutations, the narrative developments, the promos, we might finally have reached an episode of AEW where it's impossible to have a bad faith take on it. That's how good I think this goddamn episode could be. There is no women's match. Like This is going to be an amazing show if it reaches its potential. Um, this isn't stuff for those weird off nights where one botch kind of begets another. Mm. There is a women's match. That's not good, of course. And people are going to throw that in the faces of this show if, in fact, it reaches its potential, which will tell you how good it is if they've gotten two morons. Are just being, get, get a life. Like so You need to get a life. This There's one thing I'm worried about on this show. One thing, and we'll get to it. Simply one thing I'm worried about. But otherwise, if you look at the stakes... If you look at how close we are to the pay-per-view and they're doing this and you're thinking, well, what we're going to get at the pay-per-view, it's got, and I know there's not that many fans there, but you can hear them. They're coming back. It's got a February 2020 energy, all of this. And I could not love it more. We've maybe bargained, well, I've certainly bargained in the past about how good these shows could possibly be without crowds. This feels like it's coming back. It is coming back. Yeah, of course, the announcement this week, AEW going back out on the road. I genuinely wouldn't have blamed you, Sage, if you'd have said, I've got one problem with this show. Could it be almost too good? Because it's just, it's bursting at the seams, this hamper. It's ridiculous to have this off the back of Blood and Guts and with Double or Nothing in what? Two and a half weeks. Yeah, it's a show so good, like in preview form at least, that 
Cedric is now taken to actively challenging his reply guys to come up with a response first about how he can possibly criticise this. I like really admire the confidence of a card like this. I like it's taken probably it's taken me about six months, and it really hit during the build to blood and guts for me to just accept what I was seeing as good with more good to follow. You know, not to sort of panic on the company's behalf that they won't have good things in place for blood and guts. Um, and it was mainly, I think, the revolution build, the delayed revolution build, and a couple of pretty rubbish dynamites, I thought, that in hindsight, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they had every episode on the board, and then they had to move the revolution date, and they had two more weeks to fill, and that's maybe where things felt like they went a little bit wrong, or where it felt like focus was slightly lost. It's because they had to magic things out of thin air, because they had everything else in pen they had everything inked on the board and i feel that way now blood and guts was inked on the board and the card that we're going to get for double or nothing has been there for ages we're just going to be showing it and told it now over the last few weeks i have no reason to worry about the pay-per-view i have no reason even less reason to worry about the quality of an episode like this and yeah aw sometimes it sometimes fails to deliver on expectations i'm not talking about the big stuff you know the end in the last week's match or the bar by death match if anything, it's sometimes a bit of a vibe. And like if a match goes wrong early, it seems to like suck the energy out the whole night. If that doesn't happen, I too share those sentiments. It feels like this could be like an all-timer. Uh, we'll get into the, the title matches and the number one contenders match in due course. But we start, of course, with the fallout from Blood and Guts. And uh, Sid, you had a great idea I saw on Twitter. I believe it was earlier today uh, regarding the coronation of the pinnacle, which is set to happen tonight. I think it would be a low-key, tremendous detail if, for those who pay attention, they'll get this and they will love this. And this is what this company is geared towards, that the audience, that is. I would love it. Kevin Keegan, love it. <laughs> if MJF and the Pinnacle were coronated as the new top, steel, uh, top heel stable, and more specific to the story, MJF was coronated as Chris Jericho's successor, in Chris Jericho's traditional and the ratings guy slot at the top of that first hour as we transition into the second. Chris Jericho has dominated that all-important quarter. I just feel it would be such elegant showing and not telling. Mm. And to be fair, MGF could get away with telling it on the phone he's in on the microphone right now. I think that would be the perfect placement for the segment. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give it a down theoretically if I was writing that article. If it doesn't happen there, but I just think it would be a really cute detail, like a literal, like a literal version of him literally taking Chris Jericho's spot at the top of that first hour. As for the content of the promo, it's going to be scathing. I think they didn't do this in the build on the last week anyway, with the idea being that you kind of have to put your opponent over. It's just the law of professional wrestling. Now's the time to be a complete dick. Mm. And what we know about Maxwell Jacob Friedman is that he's a complete dick. And the time is to gloat. And it, it won't resonate that well because of what we know about the way in which the finish was both filmed and received by the audience. So he could, if it went better and he cackled over effectively trying to kill Chris Jericho, it would have had so much more power towards it. But it's MJF on the microphone in 2021. He can haul that over the line. I don't think an explanation's ne necessary, no. um, but you can haul it over the line in sort of 
allow you to feel better about last week's finish. That's how gifted he is on the mic, and that's the, the rich form he's in. I want him to be scathing, and I want him to be horrible, and I want him at the end to juxtapose all that with the most glib, insincere, dickhead, thank you, and then <laughs> pinnacle who will look resplendent. I think it's a great idea to contrast. Like, did you see the um, tweet of Cash Wheeler's gear? Mm. Yeah, if they contrast that image with them all coming out, they have to sell it to a degree, maybe bandages on, on the foreheads. Mm-hmm. But in suits, I want to see them in suits. I want to see them as, like, visually, they are at the pinnacle. On the on the bikes, I oh, know no, the Inner Circle didn't come out on bikes, and it was their security, but an homage to that might be a nice little touch as well. Uh, Hampler, is it as straightforward as, as in the midst of all this, maybe an interruption by Sammy Guevara, or does it just get its moment tonight, this? I'd like it to just get its moment. Um, there's time to get to Sammy Guevara in particular's response because he absolutely stole the show. Um, and like, what was great about Sammy Guevara, that the takeaway from that match is that he stole the show before people stopped liking that match. Mm. Whatever point at which you your enjoyment was tempered in that match, and I appreciate for most people it's the big finish, but for me it happened a bit earlier, and I sense that was the case with a lot of people. Sammy Guevara was nothing but gold in that whole thing like with the exception of the surrender. So I wouldn't touch that this week. If anything, I think it like it's beholden at the pinnacle to be over the inner circle and be over like Sammy Guevara got to fight his way back into their attention. Um this is not a this is not a 69 me don recovery needed here. But Sidrick's terminology there is about right. Does need MJF to complete the hauling of it over the line. Um what didn't resonate for me last week and almost didn't really need to resonate is that MJF is a piece of like this promo will do that. Like that was almost too theatrical for the way MJF gets across just how cruel and awful he is last week. I think that was like a, that was a misread for me in that finish. The promo will be that the promo will perfect maybe what the finish failed to last week. Um, I don't know if they even overtly set anything up. I think they just talk about themselves. They, you see them getting off a plane, whatever, you know, the bikes, something, something maybe that like, like takes the piss out of, the inner circle, but ultimately it should just be about them being them and you can kind of take your time with Sammy and the, the follow-up stuff. Yeah, I almost don't want to suggest things because I'm so excited to see, like you say, how they much they revel in this age. The only little thing I thought of was if they're coming from the plane, maybe a little shot of them drinking a little bit of the bubbly. Oh, yes. <laughs> and and they added a little touch from Maxwell because he, he's good at these sorts of things. One sip. Oof. Bit bitter, that. And then he I goes... <laughs> uh, right let's move on let's talk about what we've got a lot of things to talk about today let's talk about the one of the uh, the title matches tonight Michael Hamfler and for the TNT championship reminding me of TNA a WWE guy coming in and squashing it now <laughs> I'm joking I'm joking stop on Twitter I'm coarse of joking I think this has been built very very well and, and see, when we get to Sige I'm sure he'll talk about how they've changed his opinion on someone like Miro, who had, let's be honest, a fairly iffy start. It's worse than that. Yeah. Uh, Hamlet, Toby Hunt's going to get murdered by Miro, isn't he? Yeah. Um, it's quite nice that there are comparisons being made to the Brody and Cody precedent setter because this feels a recovery as big as the Dark Orders, doesn't it? Um, in terms of like outward perception, in terms of like how low down the pecking order that character felt in comparison to virtually everything else on a, on a pretty hot wrestling show. Um, they've arrived at the summit once again. Love it. Just love it. Um, 
cannot wait for the Darby Allen Hope spot, which I would like to think would include a coffin drop because I want to see him just fight back enough to knock Miro to his arse once and in that moment of desperation think he's got to go for the coffin drop, perhaps on the apron, perhaps in the ring, but he throws his body at it because it's all he can do and misses. He's not needed somebody to throw him down the stairs. He's effectively thrown himself down the stairs. And Miro finishes the job with just a spine-bending accolade. Darby Allen, like I imagine, has done his yoga this week because he looks like a body that you want to see get pretzeled <laughs> for, for Miro to take this title. We've seen a template. They only need to tweak it slightly. Like, let's see the coronation. Like, really, really hyped for this. I can't wait for this. How am I? I know the answer because you're Mark, but how am I putting the word perfect anywhere near anywhere near Miro's name after the run he's had? And it's because Tony Khan is the well-deserved booker and promoter of the year. This doesn't absolve the terrible run. I won't forget it. It will it was so bad and so middling that the next time they kind of blunder over a push, people will get worried because they'll remember what happened to Miro. If this is brilliant, mm. and it has every right to be, through not just the book and recovery, because realistically, it's not been that strong. I personally think Miro's individual performance level, his intensity, his just the little tiny moments where he's starting to slowly rediscover his confidence, like the walk and Xanax line was good. He's now starting to really balance like the comedy and the black comedy. He's discovering like a new strain of black comedy, Miro, with his stuff. Um, but if this is great, then it'll feel again like this company can do no wrong. And I use the word perfect because this dynamic's perfect. Miro was so ridiculously intense and strong. I think they'll be in not just like this big spectacle of a match or a squash or like a glorified angle um, because I might do the delay element where Darby Allen like isn't going to come out because he can't and then like you might just wave away a doctor or something like that but Miro's individual performance level and intensity has been as good as the book and his attack on Kip Sabian was genuinely frightening mm-hmm. Darby Allen being as scrawny and as unhinged as he is is the perfect guy to get yeeted by one of the strongest guys on the entire roster. Like he might launch him the entire breadth of the ring on his head and or neck. Like this is going to be great. The dynamics great. They would be perfect opponents. I say this often about Darby Allen. That's how great he is. But in terms of proper underdog babyface coming up against this monster that Miro is depicting him himself as at the moment, that's perfect. Just the marriage between worked injury and finisher here is unbelievable, Buchan. The way they made that injury look so much worse with that awesome last week. His shoulder's knackered. What is Miro going to grab when he wrenches him back in the game over? His shoulder. Like, he's going to either pass out, I don't think he's going to tap, like, referee stoppage. But, like, it's the perfect marriage between worked injury and finish. Like, they're goddamn great at their best this company. So that's going to be awesome. I would like to see a prolonged hope spot. I don't want to see a full Brody Cody because we've kind of just seen it with Cage and Page. And I just think it would be, I think Miro, I think you'll get 
over sufficiently as TNT champion if it's a glorified squash because he's so great at wrecking people in this mode he's in. But I think he kind of needs a notebook match as well, does Miro. So I'd like to see a combination of the two. Uh, from that, let's go on to John Moxley versus Yuji Nagata for the IWGP United States Championship. Sige, uh, for those who've, who haven't gone and watched the road too, by the way, if you if you like me, you don't really know a lot about Yuji Nagata. Uh, but what can we expect from this? And, well, are we getting Death Rider? Oh, God. God, 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 please, please. We've had Moxley work opposite Kenta in a match to build it, and we didn't get Death Rider, so I'm therefore not getting my hopes up. But please... Come on, this is AEW. This is the company that people love because they are, they get it. They get what people want. Surely people have been saying, I'd love to hear that Death Rider theme. I just would love to see it. It would be incredible. It would be the kind of decoration that would take a nine feeling show to a 10. Mm. Um, as for Eugene Nagata, um, Eugene Nagata was going to be a 90s sized superstar. And what I mean by that is a guy who could sell out the dome, a guy who was absolutely incredibly skilled and believable, perfectly in the classic New Japan mode. And then Antonio Noki went insane. So it didn't <laughs> quite happen for him, but he recovered from senseless, senseless shoot MMA batterings, recovered his aura sufficiently to be um, like a top headlining star and former IWGP champion during that transition between the disaster and the resurgence, he was crucial towards that. And in a wonderful postscript to a career that might have felt a little bit snake-bitten, he's just been an awesome old man. He's been absolutely incredible whenever they've needed him for a G1 or for a Suzuki match. Like He's always delivered the goods. And in terms of what we expect from him and the match, he's got the best kind of arthritic old man energy <laughs> where... You know, there's certain old blokes you see, it's like, how are you so sinewy and wiry? And, oh, God, you look scarier to me than, like, a muscle monster. Yuji Nagata's got that. His movement is such that he's got such an aura about him. And he hits so hard that, yeah, he might take a little bit longer to get here than most, but you're in more trouble than all when he gets to you. I'm not expecting a particularly sophisticated match. You shouldn't. You shouldn't want that. You should want these guys to pummel each other. Like, John Mox is so great at strong style the swaggering way that he does the no-sell spot. He was perfect. He was born for it almost, as he was born for everything. I love him. It's not going to be particularly sophisticated. It's going to be incredibly stiff. It might even be quite amusing and witty in its way, this match. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait for this. Just to add to the uh, the perfect presentation that Sidgwick's laid out, the Trunks mocks as well. Like, imagine... Doesn't do it on strong. No, I know. I think those days are over, man. I know. Get on this. Have another leg there, John. We believe in you. Um, no, yeah, like, I, there's going to be a lot to love about this, even if it might not appear the conventional stuff that you love about a dynamite from an in-ring point of view. Um, I don't have anything to add to the, like, subjects laying out of Eugene Gatler or the presentation, but I am salivating over the prospect of an aftermath in which, so last week in the promo, John Moxley, awesome as he always is, selling the match, just so that, like, you know, I, I want to respect you, but you call me a punk and the bell's going to ring and I'm not going to respect you. You're going to know what it feels like to get punched by a punk. Um, he can respect him when the bell rings after the fact and he's driven his head into the mat and I want them to shake hands and it be broken up by the super elite to set up a six-man on the tape dynamite. Give me oh. give me Moxley, Kingston and Nagata versus a, 
versus a combination of the Super Elite on the taped one next week. As Omega like with that Omega in the books, yeah. God, like Cena got to slap the piss out of Nick Jackson, and I love Nick that's, Jackson. That's what I was thinking about. I uh, I thought somebody from AW called me a wanker on being the elite this week, so I want to see him get slapped in the face by Eugene Gap, please. Um, yeah, like give us a like the respect was big on Moxley's agenda last week. He's going to have his respect again by the end. Like Nagata's a mate of Kingston and Moxley, isn't he? Like ultimately, when this is all said and done, let's have the six man. I love that man. That's a hell of a shout. Yeah. Uh, who do you think? Do you think title retention for Moxley? You two? Oh yeah, he goes over. He, he goes over. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Let's move on to the final title match of the, the preview, uh, that being the Young Bucks versus SCU for the AW Tag Team titles. Of course, if uh, Daniels and Kazarian lose, SCU are no more. What happens here, Hamlet? Um, SCU lose. Mm. It's it's good stuff. Like, great promo on being the elite. Should have put it on Dynamite. Um, awesome run from SCU. Should have put it on Dynamite. But now they're putting the match on Dynamite, and that's the main thing. The um, honestly, there was an intended rockers breakup energy to the SCU storyline kicking off in Britt Baker's dentist's office about if we lose, we're gonna split up forever. It's a real shame that they've not been as loyal to that story as they should have been because it's good stuff. Daniels looks like a guy, and like that's not meant disrespectfully, but he looks like a guy ready to ease into retirement and not be in high profile tag matches anymore. Kaz considering his similar age experience and legacy doesn't mm. they look like a team ready to split and one guy have to try and have three or four more good years while the other guy eases into retirement or life as a coach or whatever um and the mate this is this is such a great story and like 
they've only told half of it and it's still great still really great like genuinely go and watch the first five minutes of being the elite for Matt Jackson to lay out an even better version of the story of what we had on television it is tremendous the match will be great these guys can wrestle each other in their sleep um, the, this is the best version of the Young Bucks for this match because what kind of couple of pricks want to split up two of their best mates from ever teaming together again these pricks this version of the Young Bucks it's like it's so spot on wish we'd had more of it the match will absolutely deliver Um we're all going to feel quite sad and the elite are not going to want us to feel sad. They're going to want us to move on. And like, I, I love, I love these conflicting feelings of wanting to be able to spend time with Kaz and Daniels on this, this, their final day. And the young bucks attempts to probably right, move it along. Anyway, dynamites come on, EVPs. We've got a show to get to. Like I, I love all of this. I love all of this. They should have put it on dynamite. AW tells better stories on its YouTube channels than WWE puts on its TV. <laughs> it just does. It just does. And what's such a shame is that it's not just a great story with Kazarian and Daniels. It's the fact that this started when the Young Bucks were still babyface. Like, it could have gone in either direction. Obviously, it was always going to go in one, but from the fans' perspective, if you look back, it could have been the Young Bucks doing full melodrama and being sad that their friends, they've had to be the ones to disband their friends. Given that Matt Jackson has indulged that a little bit too much, this version is so much better. So much better. Um, as for the match itself, these guys have wrestled forever. They'll have one of the best psychological storytelling matches, if not quite what they were doing back in ROH and PWG, purely because Daniels just doesn't have it anymore. But maybe they'll sense that Daniels doesn't have it anymore. And I'm thinking we might see some kind of intentional botch. And the young books sort of barely suppressing their laughter at it after first like pretending to be upset on his behalf. There's loads they can do to tug um, at the heartstring at the heartstrings um, with Christopher Daniels and the pathos of it all. And I hope Excalibur points this out. The young books debuted the Melter Driver opposite SCU, and I think that'll be a nice thread to play with if. Excalibur really nails that point early on in the match or at the first tease of it. Um, yes, yeah, it's gonna be sad. I don't know. Someone on Twitter, and I'm sorry, I've forgotten that person's name, has said that this is all happening just before double or nothing, and the betting connotations mean we might get a rematch here. Who knows? All I know is that if you're going to shoot the old dog in the head right get heat on it Kazarian should get over as a heel in, in the pool match for me there's no better time when like you're feeling sad emotions are charged to have Kazarian just do something horrible to him that's how you get a heel over and that's how I would do the pool match let's move on and talk about the number one contenders match it is Pack versus Orange Cassidy, uh, one and two in the rankings, uh, to see who faces Kenny Omega for the world title at Double or Nothing. Um, tough one to call this, Sage. Obviously, we've seen uh, Pack and Cassidy face off against each other in the past, and Kenny Omega clearly thinks that only one person is going to win this. And I, I have no idea who's going to win. Me neither. And that's a testament to AEW's quite crucial recent reintroduction of, oh, hang on, I don't have this all figured out. Because, as I've said before, it doesn't personally bother me, but I can understand maybe why casual audiences 
their brains fried from years of either Russo booking or just inattentive WWE stuff where nothing matters, look at an actual way to book a show and think, that's a predictable list. And looking at last week's segment to build towards this, you were firmly of the opinion that, oh, it's going to be Orange Cassidy. But it's, again, it's so deft. Okay. Them doing Brian Cage versus Hangman Page, which again links into this and how it's even happening. The fact that they've done that establishes, well, actually, you've got no idea. You mm. don't have any idea. They're so good at this. I don't think I've ever seen or encountered a better booked promotion than this. That's why I'm so high on it. Like I could go on a tangent for five or 10 minutes here talking about how great this booking is. But let's just talk about the match. That's what we're here to preview. I'm looking at this card and I'm thinking, does this go to a time limit draw? There's only four announced matches scheduled thus far. I'm thinking the crowd is going to probably act as the draw for that pay-per-view. The whole selling point is you're going to get a goddamn AEW pay-per-view in front of a sold-out crowd. Do, is this the point to do a triple threat, which isn't necessarily AEW's booking philosophy, but it feels like a freebie, if you like. Um, the dynamic on that match would be incredible. It would be absolutely unbelievable. I'm not a fan of triple threats, generally, but I'm way more open to them. One, because of the three men involved, particularly Omega. And two, Edge, Brian, and Reigns just had an absolute banger at WrestleMania, and I loved it. I would prefer Orange Cassidy versus Omega because I've seen Pac versus Omega before, but that's just the AW for you. I've seen their four and three quarter star matches before. <laughs> I think I prefer Omega Orange Cassidy. I do think I prefer Omega Orange Cassidy as a singles, possibly because I just want to see it be one of the better drawn AW pay per views, just to completely dispel two narratives at once. Um, but I'm thinking, genuinely, looking at this four match card, one of these matches is going long. I can't say it being Miro versus Darby Allen with the yeah. injury. Can't necessarily, I can and I can't see it being SAU books because they'll probably want Daniels to go out with an epic, but is the body willing, you know? Mm. Um, Moxie Nagata, looking at like Nagata can work a 20 minute match, but I don't necessarily think strategically they would put an unknown to many people in Nagata on for like 18 minutes. Mm. So I'm thinking this could go to the time limit draw. I really am. I'd much prefer Omega Cassidy. So I'd be a little bit disappointed. I'd trust him to do something great, but this is like proper dream match stuff for me, Omega Cassidy. As for the match itself, it'll be great. We know it'll be great. We've seen it before. It won't quite have that joyful eruption feeling because there's not enough fans there. But there's loads to work with from that match. I would love to see Orange Cassidy try and do the role thing from one side of the ring to the other. Pack thinking, I'm wise to this. I'm just going to slide in and stamp his back. And then Cassidy get a near fall from the mousetrap. I think that would be absolutely stunning. There's loads that can do. Like Pac's a brilliant wrestler. Orange Cassidy's one of the cleverest. What I'm trying to arrive at in a long-winded way is that if I get the result I least want, I'll still think it's great. There's a little bit, some partial daddly telepathy here, because I also thought this was going to be a draw. Um, but I've got a different solution than the triple threat. Um, I was having a look at the rankings, and let's remember that this match is based entirely on the fact that AEW have been loyal to the rankings and how they've brilliantly had Hangman Page get beat at the worst possible time. One week before he would have got this number one contenders match, we're led to believe. Um, a draw, potentially, would drop Orange Cassidy and Pack in the rankings below John Moxley, who we assume will just be busy with the tag title match instead, 
And who is next below them in the rankings that would then go above them? Brian Cage, the man who beat Hangman Page and can suddenly walk through the front door into a match with Kenny Omega, who believes this draw has gotten him out of trouble at double nothing, and then stares down a soon-to-turn babyface monster in the form of Brian Cage as a kind of out of nowhere, as you say, not necessarily required to be a draw, out of nowhere challenger double or nothing for Kenny Omega would be Brian Cage. In the event of an Orange Cassidy pack draw, the rankings would shift. Mm. And what a great way, again, to put over that system. Cage, you could even have him win one more match to elevate him even further, like above Moxley. So the Moxley thing isn't even great. Um, they could easily arrive at that. Um, and that's what I thought when I had a look at the rankings and when I thought draw, that's what I thought as a, as a potential way for them to... Because Kenny, it's the it's in my head, the idea of Kenny Omega celebrating a draw because last week he obviously tried to neg both of them in one promo. Yeah. He tried to undermine Cassidy and Pack at the same time to sell that he's threatened by both of them in very different ways. So if he thinks he's gotten out of the worst case scenario and then he finds that there was a new, far worse one waiting all along, looming in the background in the form of that silhouetted outline of Brian Cage, um, I think that'd be... A great way to like think like to tease two amazing matches and then deliver a third one mm. would be a, another booking flex. But I also think the draw, however they end up, whatever they end up with a double or nothing, I had this going to the time limit as well. I've literally got no idea. You can tell me anything. I've no clue how this finishes. Uh, so I'm just going to enjoy it and not leave any, not do any predictions for this one. But what do you think in terms of predictions, Hamlet? Cody's big announcement is going to be mine and Sidgwick's new best friend, Anthony, go, go <laughs> uh, on Twitter, obviously laying him out following that match with QT Marshall last week. What do you reckon it's going to be tonight? Uh, I want the singles match. I want Cody to do that thing where he says, oh, I get it. You're not going to be the first guy around here that's thought, well, the way to get to the top is to jump the line and attack the boss. And you won't be the last, but I'm going to make you pay for it. A double or nothing. Like, this is my family business and you've got to learn a lesson because you've come from another one. Something just as straightforward as that. Because I think a go-go can do it. And I want to have my faith in him rewarded with a match against a guy that, you know, like you would trust him with. A general in Cody Rhodes, in TNT title defence form, in Shaq tag match form on a pay-per-view in a singles match. Yes, you can have a lot of fun with the big multi-man. It'd be bunkhouse, wouldn't it? That's the word they'd go for. But you can have like a lot of fun with the, the bunkhouse match between the family and the factory. Um, something akin to Stadium Stampede from last year's event. Loads you can do with it, of course. But like whilst QT Marshall is there as a vehicle to get the factory over, I'm not necessarily feeling like Comorato or Solo are at that level yet. But a go-go is. Mm. So just just rocket strapping, like rocket strapping. Go for the Agogo match and just work around Cody avoiding a punch for 10 minutes. That's mm. I've, so, I've sold myself on the singles match and that's what I'd like. Cody's one of the few people on this that can call his shot for a pay-per-view. He pretty much did without cutting a promo. I think I'll be in that ladder match for the Sonic the Hedgehog ring. Okay, then. Like, you've got about four, <laughs> about four interviews going on, but you're just going to go into that one. Like His character can do that and I think he'll do that here too. Agogo in the singles match for me. I've taught myself into the singles match as well. Um, the bunkhouse, which I fantasy booked because we've seen Dustin Rhodes get the ball rope out, seen the wooden chairs, seen like the actors, they double as seeds, if you like, to sort of grow the idea of a bunkhouse. But they can probably do that at Dynamite. 
Um, might even do it one of the first live ones. Mm. Um, then again, if you look at the layout of Daly's place, probably better. Anyway, Cody Gogo, simple setup, simple, wonderful body part match, all of which is in service. And I'd get a Gogo over. Like Cody Rhodes has got different ambitions now. He can absorb losses. He can then take time out and come back to a point where you've just forgotten that he's had these losses in the first place because he's Cody Rhodes and he's still going to get those receptions in the new live setting as well. Mm. Anthony Gogo is fantastic patter on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Patter for days, for days and days and days. He's like the 97 Bret Hart. Like the Americans will think he's a knob, but the Brits will just think he's a tidy dot. And uh, legit... If he can translate that Twitter energy when interrupting Cody to build this match, then people will be big time on the hook. Like, but he's emerged not out of nowhere. They've obviously been doing the work. Hmm. Um, so it's not out of nowhere at all, but he's just, he's exploded in a way that is more impressive than it appears to be in itself because there are so many new faces on this show all the time. It's quite easy to slip through the cracks when you're new, which is insane because I remember the old vignettes growing up watching the Fed and you'd think, oh, I need to see this person right now. AEW's roster is, is, is such now that someone knew and it's like, all right, okay, well, you're old. Oh, we can go. <laughs> A Google is just stolen the spotlight from so many of these new guys who have appeared on the scene and it's the mark of a star. And if that's the mark of a star, I'm with Hamlet, they should promote him as one at double or nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one final thing to preview ahead of tonight's show, Sige, and that is an interview uh, with Jade Cargill, hosted by Tony Schiavone. What happens here? The manager reveal. I can't see them advertising on a massive card like this, no less, a live interview if she's just going to then say the same thing she's been saying in the vignette. Mm. Makes no sense. I expect that to be the big manager reveal tonight. As for who that is, I've got no idea. Um, Zelina De Laurenta gets raves. Uh, Zelina Vega, Tia Trinidad, would be awesome in the role. Oh, yeah. They might do something similar because Vicky Guerrero could sell the hell out of this. Um, even Matt Hardy, if he's up for it, could do something like this. It didn't quite land, but the joke, the execution of the joke I'm about to use as an example didn't land, but the, the structure's timeless. When Kip Sabian was doing the whole mural thing, mm when he was bringing out the two geeks, I think it was Pillman Jr. Mm-hmm. And, uh, someone else. And then it was Miro. They could do that with two managers and then reveal the actual manager. Vicky Guerrero, annoyed that she wasn't the manager, screaming, excuse me, up the tunnel, is an open goal that mm-hmm. they should not miss. Don't know who the air manager is going to be, but I feel like it's going to get revealed tonight. Yeah, there's, it's Miss Elizabeth, isn't it? While all the other... Like losers line up for Randy Savage's name, and it just turns out to Miss Elizabeth. Uh, Thea Trinidad would be the one for me because yeah. you kind of immediately then have another heel babyface dynamic isn't perfect, but then you kind of immediately have like an Insta program with um, Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. And Nyla Rose is somebody awesome for Jade Cargill to go over as well. Mm. As a, like, not like a first major scout because Red Velvet was that, but like a pretty early major scout for Jade Cargill. Mm. Um, I also want her to pass comment on, if only because it keeps her in the conversation and it brings them into it too. Um, Britt Baker and yeah. 
uh, like her title aspirations and like Hikaru Shida still being champion. Like us not previewing them here doesn't mean that they're not going to show up in some capacity on Dynamite. But we called for that last week. Like Britt Baker's lined up now. We've had the graphic. Let's have the story. Um, and if it's not going to be just a manager reveal, um, maybe find a way for Jade Cargill to like commence aggro with Tay Conti. Because Jade, Cargill, uh, Jade Cargill's got to be looking at those rankings. She's beaten Red Velvet. She can't yet get a shot at Hikaru Shida. That's Britt Baker's. Next on the list is Tay Conti. Conti's coming off the back of the Shida loss. It'd be a nice story for her. There's options here. And I, I hope they take a couple of them beyond Jade Cargill just putting herself over for two minutes because there are ways to have something else after the fact. And I don't think they'd put this on Dynamite without that in mind. Mm. Now, before we wrap up... Uh... We used to obviously do predictions for ratings and stuff. I don't really want to suggest what you think it's going to do tonight, but you know, we should revel in the fact that AW were number one in the ratings last week, 0.42 in the 18 to 49 demographic, 1.09 million viewers. A uh, hell of an achievement, that, Sige. And, well, how do you think it plays out this week? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, promotion feels hot. This card feels massive. But that fall was mocked <laughs> and using precedent to inform a half prediction, we might as well predict it. People did not like that explosion at Revolution at all. The recovery job was great, but let's face it, going unopposed got that audience back, not the recovery job. Um, maybe there's a bit of lingering. Like people who don't think too deeply about this and say they're thick, but some wrestling fans are thick, let's face it. They don't think, all right, okay, well, the fall sucked, but look at the elegance of the way they've removed Hangman Page from the rankings. <laughs> I, I, don't I relate with his mental health struggles? Like, you, Billy Dickhead from Arkansas isn't going to give a toss about that. He's going to think, oh, the cardboard. Stupid shit. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> There's an element of that, I think, and it'll dip to the 900 range. Billy Dickhead. Sounds like somebody like Nigel McGuinness would name in a promo once upon a time. All right, Billy Dickhead. Um... Billy Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Mauro. Um... <laughs> Cedric's point about it's like almost forgotten now because of how hot this promotion feels and how well they've done since the end of the uh, Wednesday Night War. It's like the post, they did really well creatively to uh, like deal with the explosion thing, but it felt like a slump ratings wise, didn't it? Once a week, there was like, oh Christ, they're going to take a while to recover that. Um, and then it turns out like without another wrestling show to watch, they kind of recovered it, no bother. And the creative's really good. I'd like to think there won't be um, a huge slump as no. a result of that finish. Cause I think some people were still fairly happy with the finish. Like ignoring some of the, the discourse on the Thursday, like a lot of blood and guts delivered. So, you know, maybe that'll be enough. There was a real atmosphere to the start of it, which I think would have reminded casual viewers what wrestling's supposed to look like. So maybe they'll come back for that too. And even the stuff that like, so I was pretty critical of a lot of it feeling a bit WWE. They've gone to the roof. They've done the five-man standoff, all that sort of stuff. Maybe those compromises might work in AEW's favour. You know, maybe the fact that this looked like something that casual fans wanted to watch will benefit them too. Like, it's just really fun the longer they stay above a million because it's almost as if, like, the Alvarez treat, a tweet remains on the wind-up even when there's not an NXT number to rival it against. <laughs> so, yeah, 
like for the good of everybody, like that seven figures looks nice and another high cable rating might look nice. And like, again, when, we're not even talking about like presidential addresses or Cinco de Mayo this week. So a number without any of those extraneous factors would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, people say, oh, it's excuses or whatever, but they're valid concerns, the presidential address and Cinco de Mayo and what have you. And I think, yes, there may be a backlash to, to, to what happened to conclude blood and guts, but I still think, and I hope uh, that AW does over a million um, because it merits it, you know, regardless of what happened last week, they're going to put nothing. They put Tony Khan farting on for TV for two, two hours last week. This card merits over a million viewers without question. Uh, and there's such stakes and stuff going into it. So I hope they do. And I think they will. But let us know your thoughts uh, on that and everything we've discussed today uh, ahead of AEW Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, our NXT review is available right now. And our review of this show will, of course, be available tomorrow as well as Simon Miller's ups and downs. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. 